Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement, or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Good morning, friends. Good morning to you too, meticulous magpie. We are live. Welcome to uh, Blockchain Booze number 97. We are 97 weeks straight, um, which is pretty freaking epic. We're uh, streaming live not only on Lunar Crush right now, but we're also uh, replaying on, uh, on Blockchain Radio afterwards. If you're watching on one of the streams, like on uh, YouTube, like here's uh, Coop. Ryan Coop, you got to come uh, backstage to uh, to meet.blockchainbooze.io and come hang out with us. That was weird. The thingy didn't pop up, did it? It did. Yeah. Oh, it did for you guys? Yeah. Computer's being really weird. So I hope everyone sees this or we'll just have a cool hangout session and play it later. Well, I see uh, everyone. When did you, what was, when was episode one? What was that? When was episode one? March of not last year, but the year before. So we went into lockdown in Southern California and we were like, what the hell are we going to do with our lives? Right? Like we, all we do is work. Um, let's, let's hang out with our work people in the afternoons, like once a week and have a drink. And uh, so we decided to do this, this zoom meeting thing. And that was the first one. And then it grew and it got to the point where there's like a hundred people on zoom and we couldn't even get through introductions, even if we like, you know, did it. So oh, then we started changing the formats and doing the whole thing. It was always yeah. centered around Web3? It's always been Web3. It's blockchain and booze. It's uh, started with talking crypto, blockchain, DeFi, NFTs. Even back then we were talking NFTs. There just wasn't as, as many uh, of us nerds back then. Um, but uh, but I want to first, first and foremost welcome you, Andy, to the show and welcome back, Ashley, uh, AKA Board Becky uh, to the show. Thanks for uh, joining us again. I'm pumped to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited yeah. to be able yeah. to meet Ashley as well. Always a pleasure. I know. I think I think that there's a a thing that there can be a, a backfiring that happens when when Ashley's also on the show because I think people are more excited to hang with her than to be on blockchain booze. So you know, <laughs> you're always uh, a blast, Alon. I'm here for you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I think the uh, the the audience is pumped too. Everyone who is back there on Meet Blockchain Booze, feel free to throw questions in the QA. Andy, um, we got to start with you because you're uh, you're new to the crew here. Um, although we're gonna have to uh, to have you back and and hang more often. But uh, tell us uh, about your background. Tell us 
Um, for those that, of you that don't know, um, Andy runs or is the president of VFriends. So you got to tell us about VFriends and, and how you came to, to, to be head, head VFriend. <laughs> yes, president of VFriends. I'm the president of VFriends because I, I've, I've worked with Gary for the last eight years. I oversaw his media and content team at VaynerMedia. Um, team Gary V, as they call themselves, uh, overseeing everything that is related to Gary's brand. And so when it came time for Gary to launch his own NFT project, he asked if I wanted to be on board and I'm um, uh, gladly said yes. And here we are today, nine months into eFriends. That's, that's, yeah, it's amazing. And it's been amazing growth. I mean, in, in hindsight, it's one of those things that makes perfect sense because Gary V, I think I, I mentioned this when he was on here and stuff, but like, I remember him talking about YouTube being a thing and people laughing at him when, when I was working in like 2008, 2007 at MySpace, right? So like I was working at MySpace, it was the most traffic website on the internet. And this goofy dude was talking about how people are gonna make a living off of YouTube. And everyone's like, what an idiot, that'll never happen. People can't even watch a movie on the internet. You, know? you can read exactly related to that topic specifically. You can go to Amazon and look at the reviews of his book, Crush It, and there are people literally laughing him, laughing at him and making fun of him because he said exactly that, that people were going to make money on YouTube. Well, it was like, it was this time and place where like, if you were into it, it you thought at least like it's inevitable, right? Like you just thought it had to happen. And people were like, if it's not YouTube, it's going to be some other video thing, right? And like, you thought it was inevitable, kind of like us and, and crypto, except for everyone is still laughing at us or, or depends on That's the why, person. It's, it's why friends was so painful because there's still a good amount of people that missed out on it, even though they know that Gary has called things and been right about future trends. I mean, it, uh, something that I've been repeating a lot is that VFriends took 21 days to sell out. You know, most projects are minting and selling out in a day. VFriends yeah. took 21 days. Um, well, you, you're saying most projects, but you have to remember that we're like, if, if we're going to like analogize it or analogize it to back in the day, right? It was like uh, TechCrunch was the, the website for tech companies back in the day. And if it happened in the tech world and it was on TechCrunch, that was like the the elite cream of the crop, whatever. So to most people's eyes, every tech company raised millions of dollars. Every single person was super successful, right? Like there are there are lots of campaigns and people who aren't doing it, but the ones we talk about, the ones we know about, you're totally right. Like it either sells out in a day or two or it drags on forever. It just, you know, kind of dwindles away. 28 days is a long freaking time um for for it to go and i wish i had participated back then <laughs> i know some of my friends were telling me uh too and i uh i i, I missed it as well because i was going oh he's like that dude from the internet and the youtube stuff and all that like you know i i dismissed it as not being part of the cool kids club at the beginning and as it went on he, constantly pointing at v friends as an example of how you should do it right um so uh very very cool that that you were you got to be a part of ashley i want to before we'll definitely got to catch up on uh on on fame ladies and everything else going on of course but um i know you're a hardcore uh 
V friend, uh, fan and holder, you bought like a hundred of the books or something. I might be exaggerating. I might be under exaggerating. I don't remember. Uh, but, but tell, tell the, the audience, I guess, what got you excited about, about V friends. Yes. Well, I'm really excited to have a platform to talk about V friends and Gary V because usually I feel like I inappropriately fangirl when people are trying to learn about other things. And I'm here I am just talking about Gary V. Um, and I, I bought 120 books. So you, you were close. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I just I'm I'm a fan. I was introduced to Gary V. You know, I heard of him like you know, some time ago, I mean, I come from a real estate background. Um, so I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a realtor. Um, you know, I've seen uh, Gary on the speaker circuit. And frankly, in the beginning, I didn't really care for him and his style. Um, but eventually, I, the first time I saw him in person, I, I realized there's something here with this guy. I'm kind of just need to get over the bravado stuff. Um, which I actually now quite enjoy. <laughs> so I take all that hate back. Um, but I also come from a background, like I'm, was, I am still very involved in like leadership in, in real estate in terms of the industry. I sit on boards um, and we've been talking about environmental scans um, and the theme of blockchain um, for transactions uh, and kind of reducing the middleman, um, creating efficiencies, and creating a more um, consumer-friendly system is something that you know we've been thinking about for some time uh, from an industry perspective. And I've always looked at it as like, um, yes, disruption, but I, I've seen it kind of from a positive lens and and seen it more through the thinking that like innovation is around the corner. I want to be a part about a part of it. I want to learn about it. I want to understand what the opportunities are. How do we get the industry kind of on board? And then of course the cryptocurrency side of, you know, transacting real estate is very interesting too. Um, and so that's kind of like the cap that I was wearing when I started hearing Gary Vee on his podcast, which I listen to pretty regularly, start talking about his NFT project. Um, so I knew it was an area that I wanted to understand more. I had learned sort of about NFTs early 2021, like January, February through Clubhouse Chatter. Um, and I didn't really get it at the time. I didn't understand the value. Um, I sort of understood the technology, but I didn't understand why people were spending money on like celebrity drops, for example. Like, yeah. you know, I just, I didn't get to, it didn't resonate, didn't click um, at the time. And so when Gary started talking about V friends, I, to your point, like Gary has always had his finger on the pulse with a lot of these things and consumer trends and where things are going. Um, you know, I, Prior to my um, NFT rabbit hole, which I went straight down with the ADD, like just hardcore, uh, I was like straight up addicted to TikTok and I was TikToking, I was doing all the things um, and I really enjoyed it. And, 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 you know, everything that he had kind of preached about um, consumer behavior, like I'm, I'm like, it's all there. He, he, he understands it. I don't think he'd be jumping in so big time unless he really believed in it. Um, I had listened enough to him about um, 
his like I understood the context of his history to understand his ideas around IP and building something out um, and and knowing that he had this background in like collectibles and kind of understanding some of the nuances related to that and future value. Um, and then, of course, going to VCon, I was like, I definitely want to go to VCon. And for those of you listening, um, the V Friends NFTs are also access to this three-year conference that Gary's putting on. Um, and so I just felt like this was an, a safe and interesting leap into learning about NFTs um, with the first NFT I purchased. So I minted two. I ended up buying three more on secondary. Um I wish I minted more. Frankly, it took me forever to figure out how to buy yeah. cryptocurrency. Um, I'm in Canada, so like I followed all of Gary's steps, and like there were still some hiccups because like Coinbase wasn't compatible for me in terms of an exchange at the time. At, at um, what point did you decide that you were like, okay, I'm gonna buy a V friends? Was it like off break? Gary said he's launching a project, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go, or did you take time to I had a little more understand the concept of V friends? I, I think like I definitely understood the concept of V friends as I leaped in, but I didn't understand the bigger picture of the NFT environment at all. Like I have, I had never looked on OpenSea. I yeah. had never stepped into NFT Twitter. Um, I had never been on the discord. I kept hearing him talking in all his live chats, like get on the discord. And I was like, what the hell is the discord? <laughs> right? Like, so I was still very green that way. Um, it took a while. I don't remember exactly how long. I think part of this also, it just coincides with um, that period of time last year where crypto was like just increasing in value so fast. Um, and that was the other part. That was intriguing, but also the scary side. It was, it was, it it was a wild away. ride for us when we, we started putting out all this content on uh, trying to educate people how to buy Ethereum and how to set up a MetaMask wallet and all this stuff, probably three weeks, 21 days before launch. From that time, Ethereum went from like 3,000 to 4,200 and it hit an all-time high right when we launched. So a backstory there is that we, every two days, had to update the backend pricing on our mint prices because ETH was going up $300 every five hours. Yeah. <laughs> you it know, was, it, it, was, it almost got in the way. Sorry, go. It, it was, no, no, uh, just a random, uh, a random interesting um, thought that I've been seeing now is that NFTs, probably because of the sort of mainstream acceptance and, you know, guys like Gary Vee and the Bored Apes and, and different groups like that, like because of the more mainstream user base they have versus a crypto native user base, uh, at least to begin with, or at least the mix. I've been noticing the NFTs have been more lining up with the dollar value more than they have the ETH value. So it's interesting that you guys sort of priced it in dollars. So you had to adjust the prices in ETH um, because most NFT projects, I shouldn't say NFT, but most crypto projects where there's like crypto natives, they're just thinking of the amount of ETH. They like, if the ETH goes up, ETH goes down, they don't think to change a price. I think over time it's become more predicated on dollars, but I still think there are some projects that think in ETH. But we were thinking in dollars because we had rooted our pricing on VCon tickets. Yeah. We were thinking, okay, what is a ticket for the next three years to a mega conference? That was the value that we were going to put out as a proposition to why you would buy VFriends. 
Mm -hmm. yeah. And then of course, right after Refriends, Ethereum tanked. It went from it hit like seventeen hundred after three weeks earlier being forty two hundred. That's not tanking. <laughs> I should knock on wood uh, and and uh, all that stuff, but yeah, that's that's crazy. That's the crypto roller coaster that that people are unfortunately used to, but which is why we all kind of get weird and hardened, and it's not it's not healthy probably, but um, it's just the way this crypto world works. Like. I think it is healthy, is it because it it makes you. Uh, check your moral compass and principles on, on what you're in it for. That, that's true. I think, uh, uh, I think it's really, really just, you know, it's, it's hard for people coming in. Like, so, so going back to that, right. Like Ashley did, did ETH price, you know, fluctuating that much in the last couple of weeks before spending us dollars and, buying ETH and spending it and stuff like that, did that affect your decision-making? Was it, did it make it more scary? Uh, yeah, at the time it did because I was not crypto native at all. So I didn't understand. I was pleased to see it actually coming down. It made me feel more comfortable to, and, and there was also like limits to how much I could buy at any given time um, and transfer and all of that stuff. Um, so it did matter. And the VFriends um, prices were not, cheap right like they i know they probably sold at a lower value than they could have if everything had gone right but like i minted so they did the dutch auction I, I none of the core like the lowest valued um uh, nfts were remaining so i ended up buying some slightly more rare ones um which meant i needed more eth right so just getting it and then eventually like i bought a couple off the secondary market um, fortunately quite quickly. Um, the, the fourth one I bought, I bought with Weath offers, like, and I was just throwing the maximum amount. At offers are underrated. Oh, big time. Yes. And, um, but it was also based on what I was able to transfer and buy in ETH at the time. Oh, I was at my complete max, right? So the ETH value at that time really mattered. And I would expect that was probably, um, similar for a lot of people because a lot of people had just been onboarded into crypto so and the risk and and you know all of that is and trying to pitch it to your partner to, yeah i'm buying this really wonderful piece of art <laughs> you know for the x amount of dollars and what's i'm in your, canadian so it was you know more what's your <laughs> but, favorite what, what, what's your favorite friend that you have out of the i well i i have i have I, it's hard for me to choose. My very first one was um, was a very rare daring dragonfly, um, and that holds a special place in my heart because it's my first NFT. And I did opt for it because I, you know, I'm I'm kind of trying to justify what I'm doing and why am I picking what, you know, what was left and I'm like a daring. It feels very daring what I'm doing. So I like really emotionally like tied myself to that that sort of trait or whatever. Um, but my second mint was actually a spec. Um, I probably don't like it as much, but I like that it's a spec and I like that I minted it. Spectacular. Um, and then after I did sell, uh, this is the funny part. Like I ended up buying some apes afterwards because I couldn't afford any more V friends. Hold on, hold on. We, I need to go. Oh, this is, yes. Becky, I like so, how it's hiding Andy's face. Sorry, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, you know, Becky was my first eight, but I ended up buying several more. I sold two of them. I have, I have two remaining and I had two that I bought and I bought them because I couldn't afford any more V friends. And the apes were really like, again, I was maxed out on ETH and I was looking at them as ways to get more V friends. Cause I realized I wanted to eventually sell some and I didn't think I would sell the ones I had bought. Right. So that was the funny thing. But after I sold one ape, I ended up buying um, an Epic authentic Anaconda. It's not my most rare, but I, really like it and it's the, by far the most expensive nft i've ever bought um so that one's kind of up there my fave top two my first one and that one and um i don't know i just had the like green fomo and uh mm. and i liked again the authenticity thing i was like really trying to be mindful about what i picked we'll see i chose it over a gift goat there's some regret but whatever <laughs> At least you played the game. I did. I did. I, I wish I, I had bought my V friend sometime during the time that everyone was talking about buying the books. And that's one of the reasons why I went and did it because it's probably for me also probably the most expensive NFT I ever bought because I have NFTs that are worth, well, I have an ape, so that's worth more. Right. So, but I, uh, I think that, you know, spending that kind of ETH took some real thought and conviction and realizing over time. I mean, having Gary on the show and meeting so many of the community members and going, holy shit, this community is insane and, and awesome. It's the uh, best. And yeah, it really is just also, yeah, you're you're right about the good vibes too. Like good, just- it's I mean, honestly, it's the, the I, uh, do a lot working with Gary. He's very ambitious and I'm very grateful for my role working with him. Um, but I never try to take for granted uh, his community. It's honestly the best community you could ever ask for when you think about trying to build a digital community online. Everyone is kind, generous, entrepreneurial, creative. Um, and it's super inspiring to be able to try and feedback value to them. I think it's also pretty radical and, and amazing in this day and age and time where like I think there was a certain percentage of us that got to live on the internet all day long as part of our jobs and stuff like that. But really only in the last two years, uh, I think we've talked about it a bunch of times in different contexts, but like in the last two years because of COVID and everyone working from home, and the number of people who are kind of living, like there's people who I know are extremely busy at work all day long, but I still see them tweeting all throughout the day and stuff, right? Like that didn't, that really, you couldn't do that a couple of years ago because everyone was sitting in their cubes at their offices and whatever, getting their work done with other people looking over their shoulders. And, um, and it just wasn't a part of the culture. Like you would feel like you wouldn't tweet because you'd be like, oh shit, my coworkers will see I'm not working. Now it's just... Do you think COVID's been a multiplier of the growth of I one thousand percent, like by probably five x. Like we probably leaped forward between five and ten years in terms of adoption for crypto uh, yeah. in in these years. I, I had a really interesting experience with uh, sports cards. So before I was into NFTs, Gary got me into sports cards. In early twenty twenty during COVID, I spent all my time on eBay and sports cards land because I didn't have much else to do. And it was super fun to be educated, go on to eBay, research these prices. And it was very similar to NFTs. Right after I got off the sports cards, I went into NFTs. The problem is 
I was so excited to buy and sell and trade NFTs when in hindsight, all I need to really do is find the ones I liked and go to sleep for the next year. Yeah. Well, but that's, that's the thing that you, you know, you kind of learn the hard way in crypto cycles if you were around before. Right. So I used, I joked with people that I would have some FOMO purchase of crypto or some, some random shit coin or whatever you want to call it altcoin um, uh, at, you know, midnight, uh, one night on a weekday and I'd wake up the next morning and I'd be like, I'm a fucking genius. And then I drive to work. <laughs> and by the time I got to an hour long drive, I check the price and I'm an idiot. And then I get home from work that day and I'm a genius again. And like, that's how create, how, uh, fast the, the movement was working in those things here. It's actually a little bit slower, but still pretty damn similar. Like you go, you could look at the floor of some can of some, nft in the morning and uh it can be uh it can look like you're a genius and then you look at night and you go okay you know what maybe i will list one of those then you look at night and it's gone down by 30 40 50 percent right or or even more um but the interesting kind of thing you learn from that is that the real projects with the real communities and the real, if not roadmaps, but like you meet the people, right? It's one of the reasons why I do blockchain booze, like is for the selfish reason of like, oh, I got to meet Bored Becky who took over Fame Lady Squad. And now I get to know, is Fame Lady Squad something that I want to hold for the next forever? Because that's, that's the way I think. And you learn from crypto communities and things like that, that like, it's pretty easy to see the projects that are going to just completely fail. The ones that are successful are harder to pick, but if you pick 10 of them and one of them is successful, you'll make up for it, right? It's just sort of the early stage venture capital approach to, to participating. But like, if you're having fun along the way, then you win no matter what. And that's what got me especially excited with V Friends and got me especially excited with, with Fame Ladies because my daughter got so stoked on Fame Ladies and then the roller coaster ride of everything that happened afterwards. Uh, we've been through on the show, but we should, we should touch on a little bit. Um, uh, was just, for us, it was like pure, like, like I was pissed, right? Because like, I never get pissed at stuff like that. I'm not that guy, but I was pissed like for my daughter because it was like the first NFT campaign. She was totally stoked on because an all girl one, you know, like, and she, she, we got a bunch of them. And, uh, and then, um, yeah, Coop said, shout out to fame ladies and boss beauties. Um, but, um, but then, you know, you guys taking over the whole fun of the whole thing and then kind of getting to hang out and watch it unfold in real time made it one of those things that now I'm like way more stoked on it than I could have ever been. Right. So that whole journey and roller coaster, of, I, and so I'm sure that I'm going to love V friends even more after VCon and getting to see everyone and hang out with everyone. And, and I think that's going to be so much fun. By the way, um, the reason I put this on here is because uh, I heard, you know, through the grapevine that, that board Becky is going to do an acoustic set somewhere at VCon. I don't know. I, that's just yeah. what I heard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but uh, can't wait for that. Um, that's going to be exciting. Um, yes, Daniel, who just posted that um, I should be coming to East Denver. I'm just trying to figure out the timing of the days I'm going to go. Um, that's going to be fun. Um, but uh, Ashley, can you give everyone uh, the, the sort of short 
the short saga of of fame ladies um i can i can also chime in but i think you you know it better <laughs> yeah so the very short version is this project launched back mid july uh, it was the first all-female generative PFP project of its kind. Um, and so because of that, there was a lot of excitement and hype in the marketplace. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lack of representation and diversity in the art in particular at the time. Um, it was also positioned as the first all-female team uh, in the NFT space. So marketer, developer, artist, etc. And uh, so it sold out immediately. Um, the founders made 1.5 US million or 1.5 million US, um, like big hit, and then slowly started to kind of, um, you know, lose steam. And there was some sentiment about the team kind of being a bit MIA. Um, and it was ultimately discovered that uh, the founders were actually men, you know, positioning themselves as women to take advantage of, you know, the marketplace. And and the the unfortunate thing was there were so many people like you, Elon, who bought in because they really believed in the idea behind it. Um, it was a lot of people's first NFT given the time in the marketplace and also a lot of men who bought NFTs and gifted and onboarded women in their lives, like girlfriends, wives, mothers, daughters, sisters, friends, etc. And so for a lot of these women who got into this space, very exciting. It was their first NFT and quickly learned like it it was all shit. <laughs> and, uh... well, welcome, welcome to crypto. Uh, unfortunately, the first one. Yeah. And it just, I think for many people felt like a very personal exploitation, very different than other sort of quote unquote rug pulls that, you know, where the founders just go MIA. Um, it just, I think for many, it, it really impacted trust and, and desire to be involved in the NFT space. And so, we really were hoping just as communities, myself, NFT Ignition, uh, Danielle Davis, and uh, some others from our team, uh, originally we just got together and said, hey, let's do something. Maybe we can elevate the community by creating an NFT that we can give back to them just to kind of lift their spirits and say, not everyone's terrible. This is a great space, et cetera. Um, I'm trying to make this the short version, but in within two days, we ended up with a smart contract for the project. Um, and my whole life is looking very different now. So, um, you know, I am the owner of the smart contract and we've, we did like a relaunch, um, and you know, very, very fortunate boss beauties and boring stone both donated ETH to our project, which, um, really helped put us in a, like, give us a foundation that to work with, cause it's been very volunteer driven. And also quite frankly, like, really affirmed this idea that like being here and this comeback and takeover mattered, like really trying to take the power back, create a new narrative, create a story that people believe in and a story that people want to support and having that community, um, real tangible support, uh, really, really mattered. So here we are in January or February now, and, um, things are looking really positive. We launched a podcast. We're really looking to empower women, uh, in web three. I, <laughs> I had to throw that up. Sorry. I, I got to yeah. figure out, like change it up somehow so that your, uh, it doesn't go over your face every time here, cover my face with it. <laughs> the Baklava fame ladies are so dope. 
They're so cool. So that's they the derivative are. that was done by uh, someone from our team or from our communities, Geeky Girl. Her She has a team of artists and uh, that's featured on one of the Boring Stone uh, NFTs, which is just so badass. Love it. Uh, see, yeah. and then and then uh, see, it's not it's not a total rumor. If you can see that, it says here. Maybe I can change the view. See, board Becky's secret set at VCon. There you go. <laughs> see, I'm not. Then I didn't make that up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't make it up today. Uh, I did make it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there is uh, Frankie Fame, my daughter's favorite fame lady. But. Um, Okay, so I didn't I didn't mean to totally derail with that. I just no, uh, it's all, the name you know, of I, that file. The name of that file, by the way, is Fame Lady Squad Kicks Ass. So that's why it showed up when I was searching for Fame Ladies, and I, so I had to throw it up. That's uh, awesome. I, I can I mention something because I don't want to forget, and it really ties yeah. back to this yeah, whole yeah. conversation about V friends. Like so many of the people that stepped up initially to support Fame Lady Squad were v friends and a lot of people who started in nfts in v friends like we now are working with a production company um for our podcast the the owner of that company is hey show uh, the podcast what um tell everyone where to download it uh it's it's called from the blockchain it's on all streaming platforms if you go to uh, at fame underscore ladies on twitter you'll see a link with all our links so you'll find it there but yeah like steven from our production company he's an ogv friend he right away like came to us how can i help um did a bunch of pro bono work for us to get things set up and launched um data who's another one of the leaders um, with the team, he's an OGV friend, like, and a lot of the connects that we brought in early on with, you know, purely volunteer driven, like people were not getting paid, um, all from the friends community, like so many of them um, that really just wanted to support our initiative to kind of make this all work. So I got to shout out that community because it's, it was instrumental in helping things work on our end. So it's been awesome. One thousand percent. I've seen so many folks that come through here or that I've met in the NFT space in the last year. And so many of them have been onboarded by VFriends, which is a big reason why I got so excited on the community. Um, By the way, uh, Coop, uh, thank you for doing that. Just shared some of the links uh, to your uh, to your Twitter account for Fame Ladies and to the podcast and everything. So if you're not on Booze, if you're still on Twitter, on Lunar Crush's feed, I know there's about a thousand of you there. Come hang out with the rest of us here so you can get these links. And if you want, you could turn on your camera when we're all done and hang with some of the crew at the tables if you'd like. Um, So, you know, I think there's, it's, it's, to me, it's, it's so exciting because it's like one, I shouldn't say uh, like old school, but like somebody who's been in the online social media marketing world launching businesses and doing things, putting together an NFT, uh, you know, um, NFT project and then Fame Ladies, which is uh, which is sort of a, a brand new project that came out of nowhere that turned out to be an epic crypto story, sort of scam turned into something real, which what's crazy is that's not really the first time that's happened in crypto. Like people have taken dead projects, scam projects or like mistakes and turn them into real, uh, real things because of the community that that gathered around it. Right? It's it's really really uh, 
really kind of crazy how, how it all turned out. But, um, you know, uh, sorry, I was reading a comment. Uh, it was, it was, uh, a, a, a good one. Um, so, so what was it? <laughs> what? Oh, it was somebody talking shit about us chilling too much. Um, which is, which is funny because I think that the, the interesting Five that, it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what, what I will say is that, you know, there was the disclaimer of not financial advice and all that stuff at the beginning. But what I will say about participating in crypto for many years and then doing the show now for almost two years, hanging out with people and having fun um, is that like the number one thing you just have to do is participate, hang out and do the things that are fun for you. And this industry has a way of, of taking care of you. And if it doesn't become your full-time job, that's fine. You still have a full-time job. That's great. Um, but you're going to be, I've, I say this very, very often, but if you participate and learn five years from now, you will be first in line for the next job you do want to get or next year or whatever, because it's sort of a part of everything you do now. You know, I think that if you've been in this space long enough, you've seen enough people go from like, um, what the hell are you doing to, to wait, are you still doing that Bitcoin thing? What is that Bitcoin thing to like, to like, Oh dude, you're still doing that scam thing. Like it went from like, I don't even know what that is. Now I know what it is, but why are you doing it to like, dude, that's the whole thing is a scam to all of a sudden people leaning in like, what coins should I be buying, bro? And it's like, wait, <laughs> but like, that's, that's the trajectory of, of what has happened. And it's not just like, amongst friends from high school. And it's not just amongst like random, you know, people in different worlds. It's the same way, whether you're like a hardcore tech VC person, or you are a person who, who just, you know, you know, grew up like me at, in the back of a shop that rebuilt auto parts, right? Like it, the, there's really like, no, you don't have to have some technical know-how or some secret, you know, sauce to participate in this space as of yet. You know, I think that there are some, some, uh, you know, there, there is some, some of that crony stuff going on, but that's, that sort of happens everywhere, but still in this space, you can come off the street, you could participate and have fun and learn and, uh, get in, get into it all. Um, so, so if you don't like my shilling, go away, it's fine. You could, or just come hang out and tell, come up on stage on most episodes where I throw the link out and you can tell me what you we should be talking about. Um, so, uh, uh, so I do want to talk about like the, the, you know, we've been sort of fanboying about community and building and the things that make both of these things very special. Right. But what I do want to think about is that this community, at least V friends existed pre NFTs, right? Maybe it wasn't V friends community, but it was Gary V's community. There was his followers on his podcast, his email list, and all the places that exist before. Now, other than a ticket to the event, what sort of technology and NFTs are, you know, or what sort of technology are the NFTs enabling that are making it sort of different and making it maybe able to grow that community more, amplify the efforts of the community? Like what sort of things, you know, enticed NFT participation versus signing up to just an online subscription fan club or something yeah there's there's 33 different access characters is what we call them 
Becky mentioned one, which is Gifgoat. Gifgoat is uh, a token where you receive 18 additional gifts comprised of a physical item and an NFT. So 36 gifts, uh, a physical item and an NFT, six times a year for the next three years. There's also 32 other access tokens to Gary. There's brunch bears. So nine, 10 other individuals are gonna go have brunch with Gary in New York City in March. There's uh, Gone Fishing Fish, which you're gonna go fishing with Gary in the Hudson River. Uh, those were comprised of, honestly, things that Gary wants to spend his time doing, but also that he knows that he could bring value in having fun with his community around. Uh, mentor meeting Mongoose is three hours, you and Gary in his offices in New York City talking about anything you wanna talk about, NFTs, business. Um, but what's really cool, like for example, mentor meeting Mongoose, the individual that bought that NFT is gonna redeem his access experience to jam with Gary for three hours. He's gonna get a lot of insight into business, marketing, entrepreneurship, NFTs, whatever he wants to talk about, then he can sell it on the secondary market, recoup all the money that he paid for the first time around. And then the second person will probably be able to do the same thing, which is use that experience to jam with Gary and then potentially make income off of it outside of the insight and strategies that he got from hanging out with Gary. Um, and that was when we brainstormed BeFriends, aside from what is VCon, what is the value of VCon? It was how can we really derive access and utility around Gary and the, and the value that he brings his community members? And, you know, Taylor Swift, everyone can, and many of her fans would want to buy some merchandise from her, but really you want to be able to go to the studio with her and have a once in a lifetime experience that money can buy. Yeah. And I, I think deriving that value from NFT technology is where we see the future going. I think it, I saw, so, pre getting into the crypto space, the company that I built was to build technology for crowdfunding platforms on the online investment platforms, but the online investment side of it wasn't really legally ready yet. Uh, the SEC still really isn't great about it, but at least it's better than it was back then. But when we launched, so we ended up doing tons of campaigns for people just doing fundraising stuff, um, raising money for charities and things like that. And Around the same time, uh, we did a couple different campaigns for celebrities. One was for Eva Longoria and one was for Avril Lavigne. And what was really funny was that Eva Longoria had probably 10x the number of followers. Um, and uh, she got almost no traffic to her campaign. Like she, no matter how much she shared it, what she said, she couldn't raise money. And the money was being raised for like, inner city schools or something like that right she couldn't raise she raised maybe a couple thousand dollars like it was embarrassing to the point where they stopped sharing it and they took it down um and it's, then, it's, yeah it's depth versus width you yeah. know like becky uh has a really engaged audience because she spends time and she gives a fuck and even if she only has thirty thousand twitter followers those twitter those thirty thousand have a lot of depth and emotional connection compared to someone who has five hundred thousand, but no one actually cares yeah. and values what becky said and that that person by the way is constantly shilling stuff uh by the way just like me right so <laughs> uh, so um but but what's interesting is uh is that she shared that then avril lavigne who had about one-tenth the number of followers shared something she immediately raised like ten thousand dollars like in an instant but what we realized was that the reason why she raised ten thousand dollars in an instant and then it like almost died was that even though she did have a much more engaged following and they participated, 
the she created a reward for her crowdfunding campaign for Children's Hospital. The first thousand people to give her ten dollars were getting a signed headshot. So she sold a thousand of them in a second. And then she she struggled raising any money at all. And then she added another thousand uh, uh, headshots to the mix and boom, it happened again. And what you realize is that even if somebody is, wants to participate and love someone, wants to do something for a good cause and, and whatever. Um, you need some, some sort of access. People want something in return. They're, 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 I, I, don't, I don't like to use the word selfish because like, you know, you are donating money to children's hospital and you're getting a picture in return. That's not really like a selfish thing, but it's, but people want some reciprocation, want some something. And, you know, I think that especially back then it was just the beginning of sort of unique merch, like bands had to figure that out later and, and brands and products had to figure it out later because like people stopped buying CDs and, uh, and they had to start making money going on tours. They didn't make money off of music anymore. So they had to come up with more creative things. Um, and, uh, and celebrities had to do those things, but it is interesting because what you're enabling here is a version of that, but, but on steroids, right. A version of that, that's tradable, that's transferable, that you can sell, that you can hold, that you can uh, divide. Like I I'm assuming, I think I, I heard that, you know, hold you hold a V friend, you're going to be dropped a ticket to the conference, right? Um, you know, a v friend, if you bought a V friend, you bought four NFTs because each ticket to the conference is going to be an NFT. Are they going to drop them all at once though? Or are you going to get one before this year? And then you'll have to, exactly. You got to hold. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, really cool. Um, you know, I think that, um, yeah, people are talking about different stuff. I'm going to jump into the QA in just a sec. So if anybody in the chat, I'll throw up this thing one, one last time. If anybody is out there and wants to ask questions to um, Ashley uh, about Fame Lady Squad, Andy about VCon, I mean, or VFriends, uh, let us know. Uh, come to meet.blockchainboos.io. You can ask those questions in the QA or just come hang out because in a, in a few minutes, in about 15 minutes, we'll be able to uh, jump into the tables and hang out if you'd like to. Um, I, this one is uh, a, little bit, a little bit in the weeds, but I'd love to hear um, uh, your guys' thoughts on it or if it even affects your thinking. Um, you know, Crispin is asking, what are your thoughts on, on the SEC and CFTC um, potentially regulating NFTs? Does that scare you? Does that bother you? Do you, do you not even it, give a crap? It excites me. I think more regulation is better. It, it drives more adoption uh, or creates more clarity, which I think drives more adoption. It legitimizes so, it more. Yeah, I think I think I think you're you're probably right, but there's also them potentially doing things that slow things down. But but actually, macro long term, I'm I'm excited for it. I think they're from an outsider's perspective, uh, who's not really in the legal space at all. It seems like they're light years away from actually being able to implement real sound strategies around how they're thinking about regulation. But that's just my two cents. But I'm open to it. Ashley, you know, does does it come into the thoughts for you guys on on Fame Ladies at all? Um, I mean, I would be naive to say no. I I come from a Canadian perspective, which is interesting. Like from a personal level, there's a lot going of chatter and things happening in the U.S. Right. Um, 
Canada's like way behind <laughs> any of that. Um, but obviously it's important from like the macro community level, what like how this is going to impact our, our holders and, and, you know, future initiatives, et cetera. Um, but I would agree with Andy. I think generally speaking, while um, any regulation might create some like short-term disruption or fear, um, I do think that clarity will help um, people understand what the parameters are just generally. I think it helps guide innovators to know like what box they're playing in. Um, you know, I, a lot of people have no idea what's going on with their taxes. I think, I think it's important that people start thinking ahead about a lot of this stuff. Like, and I also think it's, you know, there's a lot of people doing things that they think they can get away with that are clearly probably inappropriate. And and people are getting suckered by thinking these things are legit and they likely aren't. Right. And so I do yeah. think that there's there. Ha I, I understand this whole like decentralized idealism, um, but that's just not where we where we are. Um, well, I think the the issue is. There's sort of like, I, I, I go back and forth on lots of things. Like I think that Andy is part of a team and, and that has been doing things on the internet for long enough know, like, to know like you can't ask for money in certain ways publicly or to invest in things and know the, like what public solicitation is and, and things like that. But just because they know that they can't do it and they know that you have to go through lawyers to do it maybe or something like that, right? I'm assuming Gary knows like when, what he can and can't say about his companies on the internet in terms of like investor relations and getting in trouble for saying something because the SEC is annoying about stuff like that. It doesn't mean that what he would say if he said it was a bad thing. In fact, like I think 99% of people who break SEC's laws are in that respect are not doing it in a way that anyone would would think is actually a bad thing um, or is actually something that should be against the law. It's just those rules exist because there used to be people who sit in the corner of a bar and be like, hey, you wanna buy my railroad? It's worth this much. And like, that was considered public solicitation because you're in a public place talking about your investment. But that's what the rules and laws were meant for. It's fucking stupid for that to be the rules and laws for the internet. So some of those rules have changed, but only if you register properly, only if you raise money from people who are already millionaires, which is offensive and crazy and doesn't make sense. Um, so like there's, there's that side of it. And so like a part of me loves the decentralization, loves like the people who are just completely nutty and just completely just like, screw it. Like we're not even going to pay attention. They, people in other countries have a leg up on us, right? Um, maybe maybe not canada they're more, a little behind the u.s <laughs> but there is there's benefits we got a lot of in canada course. and there are, uh there are a couple of drawbacks but i think it's very very similar um but like you know i i used to build those same investment platforms for uh for canadian companies too so i realized the rules are pretty much the same um but like then there's DeFi, right and in DeFi. There are people that just sort of YOLO and they're doing good shit and they're doing things that should that I think objectively, not through my lens, uh, but objectively are just good things or or if not good things, they're definitely not bad things. They didn't scam anyone. They didn't screw anyone like they didn't lie to anyone. Everyone participating is participating out of their own free will and and they're furthering 
you know, society, I think most of the time or the projects that I like, but still those projects in the US's eyes or in the SEC's eyes would be totally illegal, which is just mind blowing to me. In NFTs, there's the weird gray area because there's like, are airdrops some kind of residual? Do they count as, you know, uh, as some kind of something like that? And it's BS because it, they really don't 99% of the time. Um, but it's still something that people are scared of. And then good projects get scared to do things that are really awesome. And But the scammers, it's still not going to stop them. They, they're willing to do it. So that's that's this whole thing with the SEC and We've had CFTC people and SEC people speak at our events and speak on blockchain and booze, and they're all pretty progressive nowadays. They're, they make some crazy statements. The, poli the politicians say crazy statements, but I think they're mostly scared of the altcoins and the, the, the financial products on top of Ethereum that are putting banks out of business because the banks are what's paying them to be there more than they are about NFTs at the moment. So the second NFTs are adopted in a meaningful way in the DeFi space, uh, maybe they'll go after them, but they have to be able to separate a bored ape or a V friend in their mind from, uh, which are two different things, right? And Fame Lady Squad, which is maybe more like a, a bored ape, like they have to be able to separate that in their mind because that's like the difference between, I don't know, a, uh, a song and a baseball card. Like they're just different things. Like, um, uh, I got another question um, uh, in here. I, I would love to get get both of your opinions because both of your um, uh, start start with you, Becky. Maybe because I mean Ashley. <laughs> I, I'm reading Becky and I'm seeing your face and seeing Ashley. Totally I had the same when I saw I saw for the first time. Bored Becky Ashley. I'm like, oh, her name's Ashley. It's not Becky. <laughs> that I think everyone does that. Uh, it's 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 pretty funny, um, but uh, so the 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 question revolves around sort of newbies in the space. Are you guys doing anything in relation to you know educating people on security practices and things like that? Because both of the projects um, have a lot of newcomers into the space, and just this week we've seen ape holders. Uh, people are holding things worth hundreds of thousands of dollars um, be, be uh, stolen um, because of crypto scams and pretty, pretty generic crypto scams that have been around for years. It's not like, oh, some new thing just came out. So are you guys doing anything about sort of educating people? Should we do something about educating people? It's hard, right? Because it's a moving target and the things that are happening can change from day to day. I mean, there's different things that we do that are like on the small scale, you know, when we hear of um, trending issues, we we try to inform our community through discord um, and share certain um, experiences or things to watch out for on Twitter. Um, we have done a security um, episode on the podcast. I'm sure that's something we'll probably do again. Again, there's just going to be more things to talk about yeah. um but and it's a nice tool though because when when um we see certain kind of dialogue happening um now we can kind of link that to people and encourage them to listen and understand certain areas things they should be thinking about watching for um i, I we do want to put together um kind of more of a user guide type of thing for noobs um you know, uh, some onboarding type of materials and then things like to watch out for and just something that's very like 
easy to understand and kind of up to date because of course things yeah. have changed. And um, so that's kind of TBD, but, but it's something we've been talking about. Um, but I think just that like reminder stuff um, can be quite helpful, you know, yeah. and, and, and try to interject and some of the silly little things like I still hopefully not forever and uh, not for long, but like, I'm still the voice behind the fame lady squad Twitter account. And that's why it's not active right now. Um, <laughs> but you know, like uh, sometimes I'll put out a post and you'll see some of these like scam links like being posted and obviously always block and report and all that stuff. But I like to highlight some of those things or if someone commented on our post and then you see that like as quickly as possible. By the way, this is a great example of someone who's probably trying to scam you. Um, yeah. and sometimes that real time effort. Yeah, if you use the word meta, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you use the word meta mask in a tweet, you yes. just get 18,000 responses with these fake uh, MetaMask um, Like Google messages. Forms stuff. Yeah, like the people are mentioning in the chat Discord and stuff. Discord for me is unusable. Like I, I got my nephew actually one night to go through and help me uh, block all DMs from all the groups that I'm in and stuff like that. And it's still just full of crap and I need to like spend hours cleaning it and, and dealing with it all the time. And it just sucks for, for these scam reasons. Um, yeah. Andy, is there anything unique in the V Friends community that's different? You know, I think that it is important to kind of constantly remind people yeah. because it's so easy, especially when we're like FOMO, constantly clicking. We're used to connecting to websites. So you see that transaction pop well, up, sign something, and people don't normally look at it. Look at that every time. There's, there's Dude, two things. I would say one, we actually uh, are about to roll out a, a big program around education for newbies. We're about to launch Be Friends Series 2 um, spring around April. Um, and we're excited to, again, onboard more of Gary's community who didn't buy Series 1 that are going to go through the process of, for the first time ever, setting up a MetaMask or setting up a, a cold wallet or buying Ethereum. So we're going to do that in Zoom sessions, uh, connecting with them. The, the problem with a lot of the security protocol is that people still will enter their seed phrase into a fake website. Yeah. Almost every scam that I've ever seen is because someone gave up their seed phrase on a fake website. And it's just trying to, it, and that goes outside of, okay, I'm how gonna, you keep, please. Yeah. Maybe there needs to be something like, I have not, I don't know my seed phrase. I haven't seen my seed phrase till I put it in its secret hiding spot, nowhere near my house and nowhere near my office. I just don't ago. like the branding of seed phrase. See, yeah. It's your password. Yeah. If you went to a website and says, enter your password to your bank account, would you enter your password to your bank? No, I think there'd be a flag that goes off. Even if it was a website that looked like Chase, yeah. I think then you, you go, hmm, let's look at yeah, the URL. Be, yeah. But like, so it's, that's really the only education from scams insofar as I've seen. And I've seen a good amount of terrible emails where I've had to respond like, Hey, I'm very, very sorry this happened to you. There's nothing that I can do. You entered your seed phrase into a website that was a fake OpenSea. Um, so it's just never to put your guard down and definitely don't trust links from strangers. Yeah, that, yeah, and what I was trying to say is you will probably never need to use your seed phrase ever again unless you drop your computer in a lake. And that's something magic. And you yourself are being proactive for it versus yes. someone else trying to be proactively retrieving it for you. 
yeah, there's no there's no reason to 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 know it, to have it handy, to have it anywhere near you. You need to save it. You need to find a way to keep it extremely safe. But you don't, you know, shouldn't be looking at it ever unless there's I an think emergency. There's, um, this is good. I'm, I'm brainstorming. Right? I feel like there's almost two camps of education that we need to do. We need to do Newbie 101, which is an amplified version from everything we've learned from Series 1 for Series 2 for people that own zero crypto that want to get into NFTs. What do I need to know? We're going to do that. And then also I think there's 2.0, which is, okay, I have eFriends or I have some Ethereum. I understand the space a little bit. What else can I need to know? There's a lot of interesting stuff happening with like loaning your NFTs, um, trading NFTs, best practices for that, how to stay safe, how to verify URLs, how to actually now transfer your NFTs to a cold wallet, which would be our recommendation. Yeah, I think the cold wallet, hot wallet stuff needs to, is important. The seed phrase, like you never look at your seed phrase, like unless it's an emergency and you're proactively looking at it, you don't need your seed phrase even handy. And then the one thing is that, and everyone has done this before. If you've been in the space long enough, I've, I've lost money doing it. I know people have lost much more than me. I've, you know, whatever. Just double check when you do a transaction, just look at what the MetaMask thing says. I know you think most of the time it's like gobbledygook and, and hard to understand what's going on there. But at least when you're sending something, look at the, the two address you're sending it to because MetaMask just ha is a shitty user interface. And sometimes you click on something. Like I clicked on something the other day that said alon.eth. When I clicked on it, it showed a different address. And I know the last few digits of my address because I've been looking at it for years. And so I was like, what the hell? And it was a weird temporary user interface error that they had some issue with ENS, the Ethereum name service. And a bunch of people sent ENS tokens to like, to nowhere, right? But I almost sent some real money to, that it was supposed to go to my address to just some random like ENS contract. Um, and it would have been impossible. So you just have to be really careful. <laughs> yeah, Jim <laughs> Jim Robinson just shared alon.eth, but instead of the O, he put a zero. Um, <laughs> by the way, I'll never ask for any money from you, so please don't ever send me anything um, unless it's something really stupid and a joke. Um, then I'm happy to receive it and let's have fun. Um, but guys, I wanna give you one last chance. I know we're five minutes over already. Um, could you uh, give us um, each, uh, you know, the number one place to not just follow you, but where where to go to see what's going on? The 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 one single link to uh, to to reach out to you and uh, to follow up if anyone has any questions. My socials are all my last name: Twitter, Instagram. You can hit me up on Twitter. And well, I... you didn't put your last name on the thing. Hold on. How do you spell right, your right, last right, name again? Right, right, I'll right. put it on here. Uh, and I hope to see you in the VFriends Discord. I'm hanging out there always in Gen Chat. Um, How do you spell your last name? K R A I N A K. Cranek. K Rain A K. There we go. Is that, did I spell it right? You got it, man. Boom. Just, so that's how you follow uh, Andy. Go to Cranek uh, at Cranek and VFriends. And Ashley, uh, we got. Board Becky, what 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 else? Yeah, my my, hand, my handle is at I am Board Becky, um, and uh, Fame Ladies is 
fame underscore ladies. You can go also go to fameladiesquad.com. Um, but yeah, Twitter, I think, is the primary launch into all of my crazy world and fame ladies crazy world. So that's a good place to start. Awesome. Thank you guys again so much for uh, participating again, for hanging out. I'm so happy that, that you joined me today and, and that we got to meet Andy and that uh, we had you back, uh, Ashley. And um, to everyone in the community, I know I joked around earlier when that person uh, talked a little trash, but hit me up. We are getting to episode 100. If shit needs to change, let's, let's, let's juggle some stuff around. Let's have some fun. Episode 100, I think I'm going to call on a bunch of you to get up on stage, especially, you know, uh, David, Adele, Crispin. Uh, Crispin, you don't show your face that often. Jim, uh, you know, a lot of you, the regulars and anybody doing something new. I'm going to call some of you to come up on stage. Uh, we're going to do some weird stuff on episode number 100. It's going to be fun. Uh, Punk Ape Strong uh, is working on some goofy things. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have... We'll, we'll have some fun together. Brian, you got to get up. Coop, oh my God, everyone. Uh, uh, BB Studios. So it's fun. We're 100 weeks in, really four weeks away from two full years of never missing a week and, uh, and all that. So um, we're going to have some fun and I can't wait to, uh, to do it. So give us some love. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you think should be different. Um, or, or not, maybe I had this idea of doing everything with a way higher production value. I had some friends with a production company and we were talking about it and somebody else was like, but I really just want to hang and talk trash live and hang with the crew. Like if we do that, then it kind of gets rid of some of that fun. So I need to know this stuff um, and we'll, we'll come up with, uh, Coop, are you gonna, I think Coop needs to make a song. He's sharing pictures of him holding like an MPC or something with- uh, I'm excited, we got it, Becky, we got Ashley. We got to talk about your uh, acoustic performance at Beacon too. Yes. yes. I, I play a mean, shitty campfire guitar. Like, I'm, I'm good enough to carry that. I've been hearing some murmurings of marshmallows. So maybe some <laughs> camp, uh, campfire marshmallows. If only there was someone in the V organization that could help kind of make if something only, happen. You know, I, will I promise, wish I knew somebody. I will promise that at board Becky's acoustic set, Punk Apestrong will give his guitar to, to a random V friend and Boring Stone holder that's there watching Becky play. He, it will be, there'll be a guitar. Hand them, or I'm sorry, Punk Apestrong will hand them a guitar, his guitar with the, with the board ape hardcore symbol on it and everything. So. We might have to have a jam sesh too. Let's just say that. Hey, that's that's uh, important. Look, look, this this guitar can be yours. This guitar can be yours if you find out where the secret location of the Board <laughs> Becky acoustic concert happens. So here we go. All right, everyone. Thank you so, so, so much for joining us. If you are online, come to meet.blockchainbooze.io and hop at a table, turn on your camera or microphone or both. And uh, somebody did already win it, Coop, but that was the Genesis number zero guitar. There will be more. And they look different. Every You notice in his videos, his guitars constantly are looking different now. 
So, you know, he, he has more than one. It's like a country music singer that gives their guitars, like the old fashioned dudes, like Johnny Cash used to do that. He'd have a recording session with someone. Punk Ape Strong's throwback to that, except for much shittier guitars. You'll have a roadie back there with a selection of shitty guitars. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. All right, everyone. See you at the tables. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Andy. It was awesome hanging. Thank you so much. Thanks, thanks both. See you soon.